Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. How about them Cowboys? Seriously. How about them Cowboys? I mean, did anybody see them going 2-1 after Dak went down on opening night? Not even Jera, who is always optimistic. Not even Jera, who thinks that he can circumcise a mosquito. Circumcising the mosquito. I think my guy, Michael Irvin, summed it up best last night as only the playmaker can. As a backup in Russ, we trust. As a backup in Russ, we trust. As our backup of America's team in Russ, we trust. Preach, Mike. Preach, Mike. Preach, playmaker. Trust is pretty strong. But how do you take anything away from Cooper Rush this morning? He has been incredibly solid as a backup. As a backup. Totally serviceable as a backup. As a backup. Getting the job done as a backup. As our backup of America's team. And fortunately for the Cowboys... As a solid backup, that's all they needed to beat the Giants, of course. Because the other team's quarterback was none other than Danny Turnovers. Or Danny getting the crap beat out of him. He took a pounding last night, didn't he? And the rest of the Giants looked even worse than Daniel Interceptions, somehow. And that pretty much tells you all you need to know about them. So the playmaker is right. Rush deserves some love. I got to admit, more than I gave him on earlier podcast, Jim Rome's pro or big head bets, he deserved more credit than I gave him. The guy does throw a really nice ball. He does stand in. He makes plays. You know, last night, though, was just as much about the current Cowboys, number 88, as it was about their backup quarterback because, damn, what a bumpy ride that was for C.D. Lamb last night. After he literally, hate to use the phrase, especially early in the morning on CBS, hate to use the phrase, but you find another phrase which better describes what he did when he dropped that wide-ass open pass that would have gone for six. My man peed down his leg on national TV when he dropped that wide-open ball in the second quarter. At that point, all of Dallas was ready to rip that 88 right off his back. Now take a shot. Oh, Oh, and he drops it. And he drops it. He is calm in the pocket. He knows the system. He's not getting rattled. We got to make that play for him, though. We got to help out. Use the hands. Oh, look at Kellen. Oh, more knew he had a good play. All right, get the double thumbs up. You know what? What a the double much different reaction than Ken Dorsey yesterday when they had a bad play. I mean, he's smiling, double thumbs up. Dorsey, not quite the same in the booth. You think Parcells or Jimmy Johnson ever gave the double thumbs up after a drop pass? Not just a drop pass, but that drop pass. I mean, one of the worst drops ever. Cowboys Twitter, needless to say, was coming hard for this dude. And so was everybody else who had taken the Cowboys and the point. Understandably so, because it really was one of the worst drops ever ever and if dropping that pass when he dropped that pass when he was that wide ass open weren't bad enough he did what those two just made reference to 
he made the unforgivable mistake of cracking a smile while jogging back to the huddle. Good luck ever coming back from that. And I don't mean like later in the game. I mean later in life. Good luck ever coming back from that. And then yet somehow, miraculously, that's exactly what he did. Because the best way to make people forget an all-time gag job moment, and that was too. That was an all-time gag job moment. I'm watching that game thinking to myself, if they end up losing by a point, can you imagine after that play? But the best way to bounce back from an all-time drop, an all-time gag moment like that, is to bounce back with the best drive of your career, which is exactly what happened to him in the fourth quarter. CD had four catches in that decisive Cowboys TV TD drive. And he finished it off with the single best snag of his career thus far. It's Rush with the shotgun snap. Backpedals and throws to the near side. A one-hand catch in the back of the end zone. Touchdown, Lamb! Touchdown, Cowboys! Oh, what a catch! A one-hand grab with his gloved hand above his silver helmet in the back corner end zone by the pylon. A one-yard beautiful touchdown throw, and the Cowboys have taken the lead midway through the fourth, 19-13 against the Giants. Westwood won, and do not sleep on that play he made on fourth down where he took a pretty big shot. So that CDTD was pretty much all the Cowboys needed last night because the Giants' offense was straight garbage starting with Danny interceptions, looking just like the Danny interceptions we know so well in primetime. Danny Duds is the only quarterback less reliable than Kirk Cousins under the bright lights. And that's not some hot take. That's a hot fact. Dude is 0-9. 0-9 in his career in primetime, which to me is nearly as impressive as it is pathetic. Then again, that is who he is. That's what he does. That's where he lives. Oh, and yes, he did get the crap beat out of him last night, too, because that O-line in front of him was just as bad as he was. Demarcus Lawrence straight up abused Evan Neal, a.k.a. the seventh overall pick in last year's April draft. Lawrence had three sacks, and according to PFF, he managed nine pressures in only 39 snaps. In all, Danny Duds was pressured 24 times last night, the most pressures of any quarterback this season. In other words, Danny Defective was straight up running for his life last night, which definitely does not help Danny Defective be effective. The Giants barely had a clean play in this game. Saquon had a nice run. Saquon looks like Saquon. Great. It's not going to save them. It's not going to save their season. It's not going to win them a game. They barely had a clean play. And then when they did, they just went ahead and dropped the ball. Like, you've got to love Kenny Galladay's act, right? you got to love this dude. He's in year two of a four-year, $72 million deal. He had zero touchdowns last year. He barely played in the first two weeks this year, but then spent last week running his mouth. Check this out. Do you accept this? I mean, it's just, can you... I mean, I really didn't you know, have a choice. Uh, like I said, I don't agree with it. Kenny, Bottom do line is, earned, do you think you've earned, if you're on the field every day and other people aren't, do you think you should be earning more playing time because you're putting the time in and out there? I should be playing regardless. Amazing timing, my man. Amazing timing. You come out, you make it about you, 
when you're on the most surprising 2-0 team ever? Like, dude, read the room. If you're not going to catch anything, at least be the team guy. At least read the room. At least know that you're the most shocking 2-0 ever. But all right, fine, fine. Maybe he makes his point. Maybe they put him out there. Maybe he balls out Monday night and leads his team to a big win over a rival. Maybe he's fired up. Maybe he's got something to prove. Or maybe he catches zero balls on three targets with two drops. Maybe that's what happens. And, of course, that's exactly what happened. The rest of the Giants were so terrible last night, they actually made Danny Ducks seem average. And that is not easy to do. They were also so terrible last night, they made Cooper Rush look like a bleeping star, which is exactly what Jarrah was hoping for last week when he manufactured a quarterback controversy to get people to look at what's left of his face. Okay, wouldn't it be something if you had a dilemma as to uh, which way you go? You do that if he gets 10 wins. Same thing that happened with Prescott. I think like that. So you'd want that? You'd want that controversy? Of course I would. Okay. Of course that means we'd want, if it comes in here and played as well as Prescott played, Rush played that well over these next games ahead, I'd walk New York to get that. <laughs> I tell you what, man, I don't know what's going faster. His mental faculties or his face. I mean, this dude, he should have learned a long time ago, be careful what you wish for, Jarrah. Because now the Cowboy fan has felt the rush. They may actually agree with the old man. They may actually think that they do have a quarterback controversy. And believe me, if they played the Giants every single week, they would have a quarterback controversy. Even if Dak is on a four-year, $160 million deal. I don't know if Jerry forgot about that. Probably. As for the Giants, tough times, yo. Tough times. You had 3-0. and 3-0, the G-men. 3-0 and right in your hands. And Galladay lost it. And then you lost your most reliable receiver, Sterling Shepard, for the rest of the year. And Danny dumping his pants. You have a big dump in your pants. still your quarterback. But, but, if you're thinking your life sucks... Imagine being this guy, my man Chris Long, who is our most recent podcast guest on episode 236 of the Jim Rome podcast, posted the following picture. If I can get this up, if I can get this up, there it is on CBS Sports Network. Check that dude out. He tweeted, quote, this is Chris now, quote, I like to think about this guy calmly sitting in traffic on the ride home, end of quote. If you're listening, I'll lay it out for you. If you're watching, you see exactly what we're talking about. Blue guy. Blue guy. Face, head, everything painted bright blue as in a Giants helmet. His head is a helmet. It's all paint. Yeah, blue guy's got to be having a hell of a morning, right? That blue is seriously caked on. It's going to take several showers, if not a chisel, to get that paint off. At best, at best, after several washes and a fire hose, maybe you get it to like a shade of turquoise for work today. Or maybe you ask your boss if it's cool to keep it like this. Hey, can I just rock this boss for another couple of weeks? 
or check that another couple of days. Can I at least rock it like this to get to Halloween? Or, or if the answer is no, my man can take a red eye to Vegas and be a blue man group groupie. Start banging on some paint buckets outside the Luxor. Be like fake Clay Thompson and take pics with Taurus. Clown security. Go backstage. I mean, my man, did you clear the entire blue aisle at Sherwin-Williams before the game? And if you're going to do that, you better win. You talk about wearing an L. Hey, small business owners, listen up. You may have overpaid on your payroll taxes during COVID. Now, for years, big businesses have benefited from government tax credits. Now it is your turn to reap the benefits. If you employed five to 500 employees and you paid payroll taxes during COVID, you may be eligible for an employee tax credit refund of up to $26,000 per employee. To find out if you do qualify, call Omega Accounting Solutions right now trusted advisors and champions for america's small businesses omega has a perfect turnkey erc process so much so they can tell you if you qualify for the erc in 10 minutes or less a quick and easy and painless process omega is highly rated by the better business bureau and tax experts alike Tax advisors even turn to Omega for their ERC advice. And since this exclusive tax credit will not be around forever, you want to pick up the phone and you want to chat with a seasoned advisor and you want to do it right now. It is not too late to file. Get the money the government owes you before the filing window closes or funds run out. Talk to an Omega expert right now by calling 800-704-2000 or go to Omega taxcredits.com. Rodney McLeod is my guest. Rodney, it's good to have you back. How are you? Hey, I'm doing well, man. How about yourself? I'm doing great. It's good to have you. So let me start with that huge win over the Chiefs. You played a really prominent role in that one. You had the pick to ice it. Let me start right there. What did you see on that play? And given the fact that the team is constantly talking about the importance of turning the other guy over, how good did it feel to be that guy? Man, it felt very good uh, to seal the game for our team. Uh, you know, that was an assist from my guy Gilly uh, doing what he does best, man, making plays. I was just there, uh, right moment, right time. Uh, but it came at a, at a big moment, obviously, in the game. Uh, seven seconds left. Uh, chaotic, little chaotic before the play with a lot of communication going on that was needed. Uh, but we knew how, how big uh, that play was uh, in order to get the victory, man, and, and, and glad to be. Uh, able to come away with, with a huge win, get us back on track, first win um, of the season at home in front of our fans. Uh, no better feeling than that. You know, you were leading me to the very next point about how big that was and whether or not something like that can get the season back on track. Before we go there, I mean, you've done this a long time, so you know the old saying, turnovers come in bunches. That's what, quote, they say. Do they actually? Is there something to that? Do you feel like turnovers do come in bunches? Uh, I believe that holds true. Uh, you know, of course, you get a turnover earlier in the game, man, and, and it just creates now uh, this 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 uh, momentum. I think that uh, that carries on to the rest of the guys. Uh, and, and same way, you know, winning is contagious. The same thing with turnovers. Once somebody gets one, everybody wants, you know, I'm saying a piece of it ultimately. Uh, and that's what we're trying to breed here, you know, in, in Indianapolis for our defense. 
knowing how impactful turnovers are, the difference they can make in a game, and, and it increases your chances to win. Rodney McLeod is joining us. Big win for the team. So you touched on this. So let's finish the thought. The season did not start the way you necessarily had hoped. And this is just one game, but it's a big game. I mean, given who that win came against and how you finished that game, does it feel like the type of win that could jumpstart a team and maybe an entire season? Yes, sir. I believe so. Uh, winning, uh, you know, versus the Kansas City Chiefs was huge for us. Knowing we didn't start the season off the, the way that we uh, would have liked. But at the end of the day, man, we were afforded another opportunity. That's the great part about this game. Uh, and there was no better opponent to get back on track against uh, than, the, you know, the high power in Kansas City Chiefs. You know, everybody outside of the building, you know, said we were, we were done. Uh, you know, we had no chance. But we believed in one another. It's a resilient group. Um, and that showed, you know, not only uh, the first – after starting the first two games and coming back with a win, but also in that game because it wasn't perfect. Uh, but we hung together uh, and we made plays when, when needed in all three phases of the game. So, Ronnie, if everybody was saying that outside the building, I'm curious, what was being said inside the building? Did anybody point the finger? Did anybody blank? Like, we know what's going on outside the building, but none of us know what's going on inside. What was going on inside? Uh, inside, it was guys coming together. Guys honestly being critical of, of, of one another, uh, of of, as an individual, uh, how can we improve? Uh, what do we need to do to get better, to put ourselves in a better position to win? And I think what we saw was, you know, God, everybody just taking turns. Uh, but I think the, the uh, mindset for the week was, you know, get back to work uh, and find a way to get better. Because if you get better individually, it'll help our team collectively. And I think that's what you saw on Sunday was this consistency by everybody uh, on the team, uh, and they trans translated uh, into a win. Rodney McLeod joining us. You know, I'm curious, Rodney, it sounds to me like what you're saying is, you know what we did? We just had communication. We had some hard conversations that had to be had, but we just communicated. I'm curious, you know, you're a guy with a ring. You're a guy who's been in the league now 11 years. You have credibility and everything that comes along with that, but you are new to the team. So when there's a sense of urgency early on and things are not going well, how did you personally approach that? Like, do you want to impose your will and share your thoughts? Do you want the young guys to kind of seek you out? What did you do when you knew that was a really important week? Uh, I think just go back to your, your process. Uh, that's where it all starts. Uh, your level of preparation, uh, your, your practice habits, all those things help, you know, uh, make you uh, put you in the best position possible on Sunday to succeed. And I think for us it was defensively speaking, it was going back to the basics, uh, whether it was tackling, whether it was, uh, technique, eyes, uh, basic fundamentals that, you know, are day one uh, that we discussed that we, we kind of got away from. And so I think what you saw on, on, on Sunday was, you know, it all coming together. Uh, everybody, each and every play being consistent, doing their job uh, to the best of their abilities. And when we do that, we, we've seen results. But I, the problem was we weren't doing it consistently enough. And so Sunday – uh, that was on full display, man. It, it took everybody on that defense, um, you know, to get that job done to contain Mahomes and the weapons that they have 
Uh, so, you know, kudos to everybody that, that suited up on Sunday for us. It's got to feel great when it comes together. Hey, now, are you craving some protein after a good workout? Of course. Can I tell you, I'm starving after every workout. So this time, do not make a shake or eat a bar. Grab a bag of beef jerky from Old Trapper instead. Why Old Trapper? Because Old Trapper beef jerky is tasty and it's tender. And it's made with real strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a wood fire. And Old Trapper is a family-owned business that takes smoked beef extremely seriously. And you can taste it in every single bite. I mean, who wants dried out rough beef in a bag? Nobody. It's like eating a shoe. Old Trapper, though, is the real deal, and it comes in four amazing flavors. Old Fashioned is sweetened with a touch of brown sugar goodness. Teriyaki, peppered, and hot and spicy for those who like to take things up a notch. So next time you want a great protein and energy snack that you can have anytime, anywhere, grab some Old Trapper beef jerky. Look for Old Trapper in the Clearview bag. That way you can see exactly what you're buying. Look for it in major retail stores near you. If you don't see it, clones, ask for it by name because no other jerky compares. Old Trapper, what is your beef? Rodney McLeod joining us. You know, when you talk about relying on the process and relying on your fundamentals and going back to doing what got you here, I mean, that sounds like somebody who's been in the league 11 years. But when you consider that you were undrafted out of college, for those who do not know that story, I mean, when you go undrafted out of college, even despite the college career you had, the guys that make it in the league as undrafted free agents are so few and far between, much less stick. So knowing that, knowing the journey you've taken, knowing that you're 11 years in, knowing that you have a ring, how much pride do you have in knowing all this given where you started? Yeah, I take a lot of pride in my journey um, and my story and, and, and how I, I've been able to uh, play 11 years in the league and, and make a name for myself and played at a high level uh, for some time. Uh, it doesn't come easy. Uh, and I, I revert back to, like I said, the process, you know, my regimen, uh, every season, every off season, what does that look like? Uh, but I think the mindset is more important is you know, how I approach each and every year is looking to prove myself once again as if I, I'm that same un, undrafted guy, you know, back uh, in St. Louis uh, when nobody necessarily wanted me but St. Louis – uh, gave me an opportunity, and um, I didn't. I didn't want to be turned away, and so that's the same approach I take. Even at year eleven, man, looking to prove that I still have more to give to this game, um, and want to be able to uh, make more plays as I did on Sunday. Uh, for now, you know, my coach, uh, teammates, um, and hopefully that that will help us get to where we're ultimately trying to get to this year. Talking to Rodney McLeod for another couple of moments. So you're new to the AFC South, but you don't need to spend much time in that division to know that when you're dealing with Tennessee, who you will be this weekend, you're dealing with that big dog, Derrick Henry. Looking at the tape, does he look to you like he's all the way back yet from that in, in injury or pretty close to it? Yes, he does. He, he looks good, uh, to be honest. And, and everything starts uh, with him on that offense. You know, we understand – uh, what Tennessee is about, their their physical team. Uh, they want to impose their will on their opponents. And so uh, we're going to have to continue to be stingy on defense, uh, particularly in the run game. You know, we've been uh, very good over the course of these three games. Uh, we have to show that once again on, on come Sunday uh, if we want to be able to put ourselves in the best position possible to win. But uh, we know what's at hand, man. we got to be a great tackling team, got sound. 
set edges, man, and, and population to the ball um, in order to, you know, contain Derrick Henry. Hey, Rodney, you're not a guy who's afraid of contact, and from where I'm sitting, that looks like a physical defense, that Gus Bradley defense is looking like you guys are now playing with some physicality for sure. But if it were me and I were a DB and I'm in the open field and I see that big dog running downhill with a head of steam, I might be thinking that's not the most ideal place to be. What's it like and how do you approach it when that guy, the big dog, is running downhill? And it's you versus him. Yeah, yeah man. I mean, it, it, it's a fearless mindset, that's for sure. Uh, that's part of the job uh, that, you know, I signed up for and, and all of us on defense. And so – you know, this week we're up against a great challenge, man. Uh, like I said, it's going to be uh, – we have to rally to the ball. Uh, it doesn't take, you know, all the time one man to bring him down. Uh, we know uh, what type of runner he is and his uh, ability. So, for us, it's, you know, bringing, being a great tackling team, uh, gated tackling, in my eyes, you know, runners can't go too far without the legs. So, uh, I think we've all seen his clips. You, you don't want to go high. The stiff arm is deadly. Uh, understand, you know, saying his skill sets, but uh, it's going to be a great challenge for us. It's going to be fun, man, and, and I'm looking forward to it. I think that's great. You do not want to go high. You do not want to be on the wrong end of that stiff arm and be one of those forever highlights. Listen, before you go, this is not this is not a condition of the interview, but I want to ask you about this because when you've been in the league as long as you have, you clearly feel like there's a responsibility to give back. You and your wife, Erica, have been deeply invested in creating opportunities to give back. In 2020, for instance, you founded the Change Our Future Foundation that empowers kids through educational and development programs now you've added the next man up initiative which is focused on mentorship what can you tell me about that why is that so critical yeah next man up uh came about man just because of some of the statistics that stood out to us uh you know amongst our uh young black males uh particularly in high school you know only 58 percent are graduating on time and then you know also there's only uh around 5.5 percent of representation of black males in, in colleges. And so we want to be able to, you know, change the course of, of history uh, by, you know, being able to mentor some of these young men uh, back in uh, Philadelphia that will be taking place at Parkway Northwest um, with a, a, a series of workshops throughout the school year uh, focused around uh, philanthropy, entrepreneurship, uh, investing, uh, talking about you know uh, colleges and 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 getting them exposure to early career choices, uh, mental health, uh, you know you name it, we're doing. Uh, to be honest, uh, one in particular is you know human behavior and life choices and and putting together case studies of individuals who who may have not made the right decision, but looking taking a look at that and figuring out ways you know that we could prevent. Uh, that moving forward. So I'm very excited about that. And, and obviously, um, you know, what that's going to do for a, a lot of uh, students, uh, particularly black males, uh, both ninth and 10th grade, uh, getting them uh, started early, getting them on a foundation, uh, and, and hopefully putting them on a pathway of success. Good for you. Excellent. I love that. The Colts won one and one. They're hosting Tennessee on Sunday. Their safety, Rodney McLeod, joining us coming off a big game. Rodney, it's great to get caught up. Thank you very much. Good luck this week. I hope we can do it again soon. All right. Appreciate you as always, man. Take you, care. So I've got kind of a personal question for you fellas. Do you feel like your antiperspirant keeps you dry all day? 
Dove Men Plus Care Dry Spray has an instantly drying antiperspirant formula that can help give you a cleaner feel and offers 48-hour sweat and odor protection. Big number, right? 48 hours. Dove Men Dry Spray feels light and clean on your skin, and it's quick, and it's easy to use, especially when you're on the move. On top of that, Dove Men Dry Spray contains Dove's unique one-quarter moisturizing cream that helps to protect your skin. Thus, it leaves your skin feeling comfortable, and it helps to protect your skin. What I'm saying to you is this is a great product that does a lot of things really well. So make sure you try Dove Men Dry Spray. Goes on dry, clean feel, all day. Clones, I really hate to be the bearer of bad news, but that's exactly what I'm going to be right now for some of you. Not all of you, some of you. Not most of you, a few of you. A few select, loud, immature, childish, juvenile, sophomore dopes. You know who you are. And if you don't, Thank James Kelly. Bad news for y'all. Much of your fun is coming to an abrupt end. In fact, it already has. Yes, you still have that purple and gold Titanic gassing up for yet another season where they seem destined to destroy every single iceberg in sight. And yes, you still have the KD-Kyrie dynamic in Brooklyn. And I've got lots of thoughts on Kyrie's act yesterday. But what you do not have... What you do not have is not one, but two of your favorite topics. Two of your favorite people and topics to go in on. Despite my repeated attempts to remind you that personal appearance is not show fodder and to coach you up by getting you to grow the hell up, you remain obsessed with the two people that you have glossed, James Larden and baby Oliver Miller. One problem. And it's a big, fat problem with you dopes who've made this your brand. And yes, I'm looking at you, James Kelly, because these guys that you love to pile on so much are no longer amongst us. No, they didn't pass away. They just lost a lot of weight. They're no longer James Larden or... Baby Oliver Miller. There's no longer any Larden in Harden. Baby Oliver Miller now looks like a baby Shaq, yo. Hate to break it to y'all, but both dudes showed up to their respective media days looking and sounding great. No! Yes. Yes. In other words, I would tell you to do better, but I know you can't. But you will have to find somebody else to fat shame because Zion, for one, looks scary as hell. Dude, put the work in, and this guy is jacked. And I got to admit, I'm in awe of this cat's transformation. I love it. From the looks of it, the dude is finally taking his craft and his profession as seriously as everybody has wanted him to. And we may actually see the freakish talent of one point. Zion. He looks incredible. The guy looks amazing. And he sounded great. And he came off downright giddy as he was talking about the new look, the new lifestyle. And why the hell not? I mean, look good, feel good. Feel good, absolutely abuse fools. I feel like I'm in my best right now. Uh, I feel like I'm moving faster, jumping higher. 
uh, I just I feel great. It's a pretty terrifying thought too, right? Think about this Voltron moving faster, jumping higher, and feeling great. And clones, I hope you enjoyed the jokes while they lasted because if you send them in, I am not going to read them because not that they were ever appropriate, but they're not factual. They're not accurate. I will go James in Portland on your ass because they simply are not accurate. You know what I'm talking about. I'm talking about all the glosses that you've come up with. Things like air gumbo or the pogo penguin or Zion National Park, the big diabetic. Keep in mind, none of these are things I came up with. I don't sit around thinking about garbage like this, but some of you do. You sit around thinking about things like the chunk of dunk, the po'boy posterizer, jumbo gumbo, no, not no, all James in Portland. Man, I love that buzzer. Could we really possibly retire LT for that? Maybe. Is that your reaction, Alvin? No? Or was that a pitch? No, no, no. Okay, so Alvin's made the call. James Kelly wants yes. Of course you do, Kelly. Kelly, shut up. Telling somebody to shut up is not a take, but Kelly, shut up. Can I, can I do the show, please? You're not helping him. You're hurting him, big head. Let's just have you worry about making bad picks a day early. Just kidding. Come on! All right, so we talked about Zion. None of that works. None of that's okay. It never was, but now none of it's true. And the same thing might be said about the man formerly known as Lardin to you dopes. Now, he didn't look Zion yoked. He didn't show up like that, but he sure as hell looked better than he has in quite some time. Maybe better than he ever has. And he took the fat question from the media head on. He addressed it head on. And he cracked all you dopes at the end who have been coming for him on Twitter with something new to tweet. At this point, it's just dieting. It's it's proper rest. And then it's just, uh, you know, for me, I think just strengthening my muscles, gaining more muscle mass, uh, you know, which I've always had. And just this last year and a half uh, really wasn't healthy enough to, 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 put the proper work in like I'm, I'm used to. So this summer was huge for me in that aspect of making sure, you know, the, the heel runs and the weightlifting was uh, were important. And then adding the skill um, on the court as well. 100 pounds. Tweet that. <laughs> Hell yes, Larden. Uh, oops, I mean, there you go again. Harden, let them Haters, no. It actually made me laugh. How much did you lose? 100 pounds? Tweet that. It's kind of funny. Tweet that. It's also kind of funny that he said, you know, I just went back to being the way I used to be, but I wasn't able to get the work in for the last year and a half because I've been hurt. Is that what they call staying out late and hitting every club? Is that what they call that now? I was hurt, so I couldn't get the work in? Either way. Tweet that, haters. Because for the last two years, 
you've let this guy know every single time he hit the floor what you thought of him. And there were lots of glosses for Larden in addition to Larden. You called him the fat Kobe. Go ahead, Albie. You can break out the James and Portland buzzer for these. It's no longer appropriate. Fat Kobe. Or asking, when did Kendrick Perkins come out of retirement and decide to play point guard? Or wondering if you put the 19 in COVID-19 during the height of the pandemic? Or accusing you of never getting the vid because you apparently never lost your taste for food? I mean, jack wagon bleep, James. 100 pounds, tweet that. Tweet that. James in Portland. James in Portland, them all. So what is the fastest ball sport in the world? Not baseball, not tennis. In fact, it is the sport of high lie, spelled J-A-I-A-L-A-I, originating in the Basque region of Spain and played professionally in the U.S., most notably in the 1980s. High is making an unprecedented comeback. The ball reaches speeds of 150 miles per hour. The action is intense. The danger factor is high. Six-person teams of professional athletes play the sport at the Magic City Fronten in Miami, Florida. I invite you to check out all the action Monday and Tuesday at 5 p.m. and Friday night at 7 p.m. Go to HighLightWorld.com or download the free Highlight app in the App Store. The sport with its intensity and athleticism is well worth watching. Check out all the action at HighlightWorld.com. Matches are played similar to tennis with a player or team required to win two sets to win a match. Each set is played up to six points. It is a sport you need to check out. HighlightWorld.com. Monday and Tuesday at 5 p.m., Friday at 7 p.m. Kenny Clark is my guest. Kenny, really good to have you on the show. How are you? Good, good, Jim. How you doing? Good, dude. Good. It's good to have you back. So listen, before we talk about the Patriots, let me go back. You played a really important role in helping the pack grind out that win, a tough road win, Kenny, over Tampa Bay. Overall, how pleased were you with the way the team showed up defensively? Man, I was uh, very pleased. Um, I think we knew it was going to be a defensive game. I knew it was going to come down to the last second. Uh, We were going to have to play a four-quarter battle. And... um, just happy about how our defense performed. Um, we, we stopped the run uh, very well. Uh, we were physical in there and um, stopped their stopped their run game and, and limited limited them to like 30 yards without rushing. And then um, we knew we had an advantage up, up front in the passing game. And I think we did a great job at rushing the passer and uh, you know making things uh, hectic in there for Tom Brady uh, for him not to step up or whether it was getting hits. Uh, or getting pressures, we, we were in their space and, uh, you know, forcing, forcing them to make uh, bad throws. So, uh, really, really proud of how our defense played. And we had, had, had what, like, two two turnovers also. So, really proud of how we played. We're talking to Kenny Clark. You broke that down really nicely. I was going to ask you about the run game and the job you guys did on Leonard Fournette. Obviously, coming in, you knew that they were pretty banged up at wide receiver and they were going to make it a high priority to get Fournette going. He had a couple of big games coming in. So, how big of a point of emphasis – was that for you defensively? And then what did you do to make it so tough on him? Uh, I think that was the number one, the, the number one emphasis um, throughout the whole week. Um, Leonard Fournette had been had two, uh, two, two or three, you know, great weeks before that. Um, so we knew 
we knew uh, we were going to have a battle up there up front with them in the run game. And uh, just really just, man, just stand stout. Um, we had to play a lot of double-team blocks. Um, D.C., uh, DeMondre Campbell, and uh, Quay, they all play they all play well in the run game. And, um, yeah, man, we were just physical, knocking the line of scrimmage back and, and just trying to win the battles up front. Kenny Clark's joining us. Kenny, I think you and I have talked about this in the past, but the sack is not an end-all stat, right? But you did get home twice. And not only did you have two sacks, but you were disruptive throughout you're off to a really, really good start this season. I understand there's a lot of work to be done, but do you feel like you're playing some of the best ball of your career right now? Yeah, 100%. I feel like I'm playing uh, the, the best that, that I've ever been playing, honestly. Uh, I still want to make some improvements, of course, you know, in the run game, um, clean some stuff up. Um, but uh, as far as just pass rushing and um, and just, just being just straight, straight up like this, just disruptive. Uh, I feel like I'm I'm at the, the height of my games right now as far as as far as doing that. I've been very disruptive this year uh, to this point. I've uh, been been great at pass rushing this year and um been holding my holding my uh the point of attack, you know, in the run game too. So I gotta just keep it going, uh keep staying healthy and uh you know just keep keep staying with that same mindset I'm going into every week and um and the sky be limited for this year. Kenny Clark joining us. I think those who know, know, right? Those who know, know. Those who know, know how disruptive and dominant you've become. Let me ask you this, and I understand team first, but is it good enough that those who know, know, or do you feel like you've now earned the right to be mentioned alongside the best in the game at what you do and that you should be more of a household name now? Yeah, I mean, I think that's 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 about that drives me this year, man, is, is that um, it's crazy as it sounds. I, I think I... I think my body of work um, lines up with, with all the best guys in the league. And I feel like I still don't get the credit that I deserve. Um, so um, on top of, you know, wanting to win the Super Bowl, um, wanting to be an all-pro, wanting, wanting to go to another pro bowl, and, and all my other goals that I got, um, just proving people wrong and, and uh, you know, becoming that household name because I still feel like, I don't really get the credit that I deserve, especially with my track record and uh, how many how many great years I've been having in the league and uh, how, how, how I've been uh, starting this year. So uh, I'm definitely fighting for you know for all that. I personally agree, which is why I posed that question like that. Let me ask you this. I know it's the other side of the ball, but given what this guy means on and off the field and how hard he's had to work to come back from injury, what was it like for you to see David Bakhtiari back in action? Man, it's great. I mean, he, he changes the the whole the whole offensive line, uh, changes the whole offense. Um, you see with him and him and um, Big E coming back, uh, you know, the run game and the, the run game looks real, real good. Uh, they did a, re- a really good job at, at protecting Aaron. Um, and you know, you see how much you know he means to this team and how much he means to to you know the, the run game. Our offensive line is very young. We got a lot of young guys inside, so. Uh, we needed those, you know, veteran guys to come back in and uh, and, and get those guys um, on track. So um, excited about, you know, the, the development of, of the offensive line and development of our team. And uh, I think I think our offense is going to really start hitting the all-cylinders um, as we start getting all those guys back. We're spending a few more moments with Green Bay Packer, Kenny Clark. Kenny, I got to ask you, and something else I think you and I have talked about, but I'm an L.A. native. You grew up in Southern California. You went to UCLA. 
and we have a son that goes to the, the University of Wisconsin, and we have a house in the Northwoods. In fact, I'm going to be in Madison this weekend for the Badger game. I've got to ask you, as a fellow SoCal native, what's it like for you? And you've been there a while, but what's it like to live and work in Green Bay as somebody who came up in Southern California? Um, man, I, I love it out here. It fits my personality well. Like, I'm, I'm just a chill, you know, mellow guy. Uh, I just feel like, you know, that – you know, Green Bay just fits that fits that that mold for me. Um, it, I always tell people this: like, it's, it's small as it is, just little stuff like just seeing kids just playing outside, like, like I, that I, I don't see that you know growing up in LA. Well, like when I was growing up, I used to be outside, but like nowadays, you don't really see like kids outside and you know people going on walks. Um, as little as little as that is, like you know, I mean, you see all that kind of stuff in Green Bay now, just. Um, you know, it's, it's real family origin here. You know, people love each other here. Um, it's real. Everybody here is, is nice and respectable to each other. Uh, so that's what I really love about this place. It just uh, it just brings you back down to earth and um, it makes you appreciate all the little things. Preach, dude. Preach. I so know what you're talking about. And I'm not here to dog our hometown because I still love Southern California. We moved to Orange County. I love L.A. But there's something different about the Midwest. There is that Midwest mentality, and the people there are so nice. Kenny, before you go, I want to ask you about something really quickly. I mentioned that you had been in the Pro Bowl twice. I got to get your reaction to the announcement that the league has finally decided to abandon trying to play a competitive game, and they're going to replace it with a skills competition and a flag football game. Having been there a couple of times yourself, what's your reaction to that? Uh, I mean, I think it would be good. I don't know exactly how they're going to tie the big guys. I mean, I know a lot of the big guys are going to want to be doing a 7 7 competition, but um, – you know, it's exciting to see, you know, what they can do to make the game, I mean, make it more competitive and make the game more exciting. Um, I mean, I, I don't really think, like, the game was, was that competitive. You know, guys don't really even want to be out there getting hurt over a game that doesn't really mean nothing. So, um, you know, we, we'll see how, how that works out. But uh, anyway, they can make it more competitive and, and, you know, make it fun for everybody and um, enjoyable to watch. I think it's going to be good for the league. Kane, last thought. I don't want to belabor the point because you just nailed it, but I've never understood that. That's the whole thing about that game, right? I mean, it's not competitive, so nobody wants to risk getting hurt. But what was it like to be in a game where nobody wanted to risk getting hurt, but it wasn't competitive? Like, how in the world do you approach a game like that? Yeah, it's, it's tough, man. You just really try to just have fun, and um, you know, you don't want to, you don't want to, you know, hurt guys out there. You don't want to get yourself hurt, you know, over a game that really doesn't doesn't mean nothing so it's kind of you know it's tough mentally you know trying to trying to get ready for it just a whole lot of gray area that you don't that you don't really know you know what i'm saying so um you know i think i think people like pick and choose to play hard in in, in the game every now and then depending on the quarter and depending on how close the game is and all that kind of stuff but for the most part you know it's pretty it's pretty chill and, and i feel like guys don't really, really want to get hurt including myself like you know what i'm saying so um, you know, I understand it. On, you know, I understand it on the league part, trying to make it more competitive. But I understand on the, on the players' part, of, you know, safety and uh, you know, trying to you know, save themselves. You know what I'm saying? So 
I do know what you're saying. I appreciate your part, especially. I appreciate that response. Green Bay is 2-1. and one. They're hosting the Patriots on Sunday. He is a two-time Pro Bowler and playing at an extremely high level. Off to a quick, quick start once again. Kenny Clark, my guest. Kenny, or Kenny, do appreciate you. Thank you very much. Great to have you back on. Good luck this weekend. Oh, yeah, man. I always appreciate you, too. Let's go to Denver. Ryan in Denver. Good to have you. Ryan, how are you? Ryan, go ahead. You're on the air. Hey, Jim. Um, thanks for thanks for taking my call. So I went to um, I went to a small D three college my freshman year, and I never regret any of that. And I'll tell you why. I ended up graduating from the University of Iowa after tearing my rotator cuff. However, um. The D3 experience, I, I, I didn't want to give up baseball. So if Logan doesn't want to give up baseball, you should encourage that path. There's a lot of advantages to going to a D3 college um, in terms of education as well. And Dude, so what? give me an idea. What, what D3 school did you go to? Gonna go. All right, Sam. That's not a good call. No. You don't like that call. I don't like that call. I don't want to be harsh because, again, you're trying to help me, and I'm asking for your feedback. But when you say, I don't regret going to a D3 school, but there's that lag, I want to say I regret taking that phone call. But I don't want to be harsh. Let's go to Nebraska. Garrett. Hey, Garrett, good to have you. What's up? Hey, I went to the, in high school. I had a chance to go to University of South Dakota to do track. And I went there, and I threw the shot, and I just think he shouldn't do it because I should have went to the University of Nebraska and enjoyed the time because this is back when Nebraska was winning all the titles, and I just missed out on that. And I went to Vermilion, South Dakota, which is a small town. It's not much to do when you go to them small towns. Lincoln would have been a way better experience, and after three years, I did transfer to Lincoln, and it was just way better than a small town. Just to have a great experience. Yeah, it's interesting. Let me ask you really quickly before you go. When you went to the small town and you went for track, did was there money involved though? I mean, did it help fund it, fund your education? Oh yeah, I got I got a twelve hundred dollars scholarship, okay. which ain't much, but they can't give you a full ride in track. Right. You know, and that. And by the way, my name's Jarrett. You got it. Ah, there, man. That's not a good call. No. You know what your name you is, like dude? Call. I don't like that call. Your name is not a very good call. what's on the screen. It's one of my favorite things we do at the show. The, the guy corrected me because I got his name wrong, and Alvin ran him. And the first time that happened, I said, Alvin, how do you run a guy when it was our mistake? Alvin, how did you do that? Why did you do that? <laughs> and Alvin said, because you don't, you do not correct the host. And I said, Right. But the host was wrong. I think the guy knows his name better than I know his name if I've never met him before and he's correcting me and he's had that name his whole life. And I said, no, no, no. You do not correct the host. No, no, no. Keith in Huntington Beach. Hey, Keith, how are you? Jim, awesome, man. How you doing? Good, dude, good. So, yeah, I called my son, just graduated from Augsburg University. He played college ice hockey, you know, a private Christian college in D3 in Minnesota, across cool. from the bigger Minnesota University. So what was that like? And 
He loved it because it was he got to play all the time, and you know he had one D win look, I believe, in Alaska, but he just didn't want to do it, and you know farther away, he didn't want to go that direction, but he wanted to play. And if let's be real, if our kids aren't getting blown up right out of high school or juniors in hockey, they're not going to go in the NHL anyway or the or, or MLB. So they just have the college experience and have fun playing playing the, the sport you love. Right. So how many kids at that school? You know what? I was just trying to Google that. I don't, it, it is a private Christian college, but our, my son's school did get to the Frozen Four, and we went to Lake Placid this this year in New York. So once, I mean, once in a lifetime, man. Got, That's as good as it gets, right? Oh, oh it, it was awesome. And now he's playing uh, pro roller hockey in France. He's getting paid <laughs> wow. to play and having a blast over there. Incredible! Freaking blast! Incredible! Yeah. All right, so I like cool that. That's stuff. really that's really cool, Keith. Thanks so much for sharing that. He's playing roller hockey in France. After going to a small Christian school and a D3 program in Minnesota. That's really interesting. All right. Hey, everybody's got a different journey. That's a really cool story. You're right. You know, we, you know. Let's go to Ty, Ty in Boise. Ty, what's going on? How are you? I'm good, Romy. How you doing, man? Good, dude. Great. Um, you know, I just wanted to say if I had one piece of advice to uh, – Rogan Loam for Boise State is no. Why, <laughs> dude? Don't how, do it. How come? It's it's a farce. You know, Boise is pretty cool. Uh, it's all traffic, otherwise, and um, there's no baseball team. It's a club. So if he has any aspirations of playing ball, don't go to Boise State. Wait, it's did you say it's a club? Like it's, it's a, a club, it, club or club baseball? It's a club. It's a club. It's literally right. like we don't have a team. It's a club team. So, like, there's no MLB aspirations or anything like that. There's no scholarships. It's a club. Yeah, and he has none of that either. No, I feel you. All right, Ty, thank you very much. I appreciate that. Let me respond. So he said, I have one piece of advice regarding Rogan Loam applying to Boise State. And that piece of advice is, no! And when I said, why is that? He said, because there's so much traffic in the area. All right. Now, I want to say, dude, we're from Los Angeles. Except Logan really never did spend much time in Los Angeles. We got down to Orange County before then. But if the argument against attending a certain school is traffic, I'm going to need another objection. We're from Southern California. I think that he can live with the dreaded Boise traffic. Ty, my man, respect, bro. Good to hear your voice. But no offense, dude, you don't know traffic. You don't know the first thing about traffic, bro Ham. I know traffic. I grew up on the 405-101 interchange. I know traffic. I grew up in the 818. So there's a lot of reasons why I will send that kid to a school or not send a kid that kid to a school. Traffic is not one of them. He said, right, okay, but there is no baseball program. If you've got MLB aspirations, we have no MLB aspirations. I would dare say we probably don't have scholarship aspirations. I would dare say we probably have who will take us aspirations. South Padre Island. John, good to have you. John, how are you? Hey, Jim, I'm doing well. Thank you. What's going on? What's on your mind? Well, I, uh, I, I highly recommend the small school 
uh, opportunity. I know uh, uh, from the sounds of it, your son is a far better pitcher than I was in high school. Um, but I still, when I went away to college, small school in uh, Southern Oregon, uh, got uh, a scholarship after uh, being noticed on the uh, softball diamond. And, uh, uh, you know, I didn't uh, grow into my pitching. Uh, I, I didn't have the pitching style in high school that I did uh, once I got to uh, college. But I highly recommend the small school. Great opportunity for him to follow his dream to play ball. Interesting. Regardless, regardless of scouting and all scouts and all that stuff mlb uh, forget that just the opportunity yeah, no, no, believe me, we're, not th- yeah, we're not thinking about that no i appreciate that hey eh? i want to be so clear about this let's go to the phones james my man what's going on jimmy my man and alvi a graduate from van nuys university jim i'm not sure what's the first thing that pops in your head when i say arizona state but sex is the first thing that pops in my head. Could you imagine being Alvin's son and visiting ASU's campus? You step foot near a sorority house, then you turn around and your dad's gone. Look, Rogan Loam, if you're listening, Boise State has blue turf on the playing field, and Arizona State has no turf on the playing field. Come on! Ah! Dude, you did not. You absolutely did not just say that. (laughs) Exactly. Have that guy give himself his own manual buzzer. Wow, James. Good night, 